Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. All right, if everybody could open up uh, to Romans chapter 15, uh, verse 16. Romans 15, 16. starting with verse 16. That I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. One of the cool things right away that we see in verse 16 is we see the Trinity. Verse 16, where it says, Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. One of the things we always want to do when we're ministering for Jesus Christ is make sure that we're always giving glory to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that puts our actions to mean something. It gives us the power behind anything that we do that is good. And also in this verse, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ. Notice the, identif the identity is the person of Jesus Christ. And as we go along in our lives, we're seeing more and more of a universalism in the church where you won't hear the name of Jesus mentioned. It'll just be the almighty power or God in heaven or the big man upstairs. But let us never make a mistake that it's the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven by which you and I can be saved or any man or woman, boy or girl can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. Now Paul, come to know this guy through the book of Romans, how intense he was in his ministry. And as we're closing out in the book of Romans, up here, up in this area, we're going to see from Elycrium all the way down over into Israel in this area in here. This is where he traveled, all this area. And this is the letter that we're reading tonight that he sent to Rome, and he'll eventually be in Rome, and we're going to see that tonight. But look at the travel that this man did. And again, the only means was a boat, his feet, mules or horses, a cart. Didn't have the luxuries that you and I have today, yet that did not hinder him from going where God called him to go. Remember, he was a Jew, 
that was saved by Jesus on the road to Damascus, but he was a persecutor of the Jews. That's very important to remember. He was opposed to Jesus Christ and the people that put their faith in him. Isn't it uh, something how God will take a person who was persecuting someone to be the very one he calls out to go and minister to not only to the Jews, but his main ministry was to the Gentiles. That I might be a minister of Jesus Christ. Is that a tag you and I can say, hey, I'm a minister of Jesus Christ? The word minister means servant. Also, Paul uses a word that can be found nowhere else in the New Testament. This word minister, meaning acting as a priest. He represented God before the people. And to the people, he spoke those things of God. Something that you and I are, as we put our trust in the Lord, that we are priests. The New Testament says we're ministers, we're servants of God to a Christ-rejecting dark world. Who does God have you minister to? Who are the people God has put in your life to minister to? Here we see Paul was the Gentiles. Well, I can tell you some of the people, if you don't have an answer, you're ministering to the people that come to this church. We're not all the same. We all have different gifts, but remember, every one of you here, whether you acknowledge that you have a gift or not, has a gift or more than one gift that is used or God wants to use to build up the person behind you, the person in front of you, the person to your left or to your right. And they have gifts that God has given them for your edification. We also have those in our family that we minister to. It can be a father to a son, but it can also be a son to a father. It can be a daughter to the mom or dad, or vice versa. It can be an uncle, a grandfather, a great-grandfather, any relative. Your ministers to the people in your job, in your schools, Wherever you go, you can minister in various ways, whether it's by words, actions, or just praying for a person. Also in verse 16, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You see, if God's Holy Spirit doesn't set you apart, there's not going to be anything that happens to you in word or deed that will impact another for the good. It all comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. It all comes by you spending time at the Lord's feet. And never forget the very feet that we sit at are the feet that have been pierced along with his hands and his side and the crown of thorns on his brow. When he died on that cross, he was opening up his death for your life so that you could be one with him in fellowship and in ministering to the people he died for. 
whether they recognized whether they recognized his death yet or not. So you're a minister every day of your life. You can be, your first and foremost ministry is to Jesus Christ, ministering to the Lord. How do you minister to the Lord? You do that by talking to him. You do that by getting into his word, by sitting at his feet, by spending time with him. And he equips you through the power of his Holy Spirit to go and minister to the world. Whatever that world is to you, your sphere of influence. Just want to read you a, a thing from, just a paragraph from Donald Gray Barnhouse, a great preacher of the past. It says, an uneducated miner in Scotland began to preach with great power among his fellow workmen. Soon his witness took him far beyond the confines of the mining towns. Someone asked him how he had received his call to preach. He replied, oh, I had such a burden on my soul for those who did not know the gospel. I argued with the Lord that I had no education and no gift. But he said to me, Jamie, you know what the sickness is, don't you? I answered, yes, Lord, the sickness is sin. And you know what the remedy is, don't you, Jamie? And I answered, yes, Lord, the remedy is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said to me, Jamie, just take the remedy to those who are sick. That is my call to preach. This is God's call to every believer. We know the world is sick, but the world is made up of people. People are sick. We have the answer in Jesus Christ. Verse 17, therefore I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus, in the things which pertain to God. When we look at the world, who do they glory in? Maybe us sometimes. Who do we glory in? It might not always be Jesus. It could be thinking that we've done something special. It's in me or it's in you. We see movie stars and athletes. There was uh, something we read in the paper today about the boxer Merriweather, you know, up on charges of domestic violence. Yet he doesn't seem like he, he can't admit that he did anything wrong. He thinks the whole world revolves around him. We need to pray for that man that God opens up his eyes. But who do you glory in? Who do I glory in? We see here with Paul, another great part in the humility of Paul in verse 17. Therefore I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. So anything that you and I do for the Lord, we should be in Christ Jesus performing it. It's not for brownie points with the Lord. It's not to build up a bank account. It's because of what he's done for us. We get to do things through his Holy Spirit working in us. Verse 18, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient 
in verse 18, notice again that Paul's not going to speak of anything that he hasn't experienced. Through the Word of God and through actual experience that he's done or has been done to him, he's going to act in experience and backed up by God's Word. You and I should do the same thing. God has given you a personality. He has given you experiences up to this point of your life. Now, you have the free will of how much of God's word you want to pour into your heart that will transform you, that will renew your mind, that will put you in a position to be used by the Lord with the personality that he has given each one of you, with the gifts he has given each one of you. Understand that you are not in a spectator religion or philosophy. You are actively involved with none other than the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're on his team. You're in his army. And each one in that army has a weapon. And the weapon is always drawn, and that's his word. The sword of the Spirit. In verse 19... Oh, it's one other thing in verse 18 where it says to make the Gentiles obedient. One of the things, remember, that Paul was called to minister to the Gentiles. And in here, everything he's doing is for ministry for the Gentiles to make them obedient to the very God that he is obedient to, to make them understand that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And we know throughout the... uh, New Testament, and even in the Old, we see Gentiles have put their trust in the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who we know as Jesus Christ. Verse 19, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. Now we know that throughout Paul's tremendous, adventurous life here on this earth, there were many signs and wonders that came along with him preaching the gospel. People were healed, just like we see in Jesus' ministry. People were raised from the dead. Blind people could see. Now, there's also signs and wonders today. Okay, there's things that are happening throughout the world that we can, that we hear about. But you might say, well, Vinny, I've never seen anybody that was blind that can see or crippled that can now walk or dead that was raised back to life. And that may be true, but you have seen people spiritually blind that now see. You now, you know people who were spiritually crippled that now are walking with the Lord. And you know people that were spiritually dead that are now born again. Just as miraculous, even more so than the physical healing when you think about it, eternally speaking. Because a blind man could be healed, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's born again. And I'd rather go through this life blind or crippled and be eternally secure with Jesus Christ, then go to a Christless eternity 
with eyes that can see. So let's never downplay the miraculous of the spiritual miracles that take place in our, li- in our lives, in each other's lives, and when we see someone come walk forward or rededicate their life here in this church or wherever we are. And notice again, it's by the power of the Spirit of God. God the Father, in the name of Jesus, working through His Holy Spirit, the Trinity. So that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. And before we go into 21, just take a look at the map again. There's uh, one week from, no, this coming Monday, I'm sorry. The basketball season starts at my high school. And one of the fundamental offensive maneuvers is a give and go. If I pass you the ball, if I give you a pass, I cut to the basket, I give it to you, and I go and you give it back to me. It's, a, it's just the major offensive move that can be made. Just giving and going. The title of tonight's message is Give and Go. Now, Paul was saved. Jesus Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus. He spoke to Paul. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was given the Holy Spirit. God bless you. And he went. So if you don't think that God likes basketball, just think of all the examples in the Bible where there's give and goes. He gives his Holy, uh, Holy Spirit and he tells you to go somewhere. Now with Paul, we see in a time where transportation was very difficult where he went. Question, where is God calling you and I to go? He's given us his son. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his playbook. Where is he calling you to go? What is he calling you to do? And right here in this church, so many times we find out what the calling is. But you know what's so cool about a church and the fellowship? There's a reason we need to fellowship together besides edifying and building each other up. But there's times in all churches, in all walks of life, that God puts Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper in your life. And Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper are a blessing to you and I. But we don't look at it that way, that they're a blessing because they're irritating. They scratch the surface of our personality. But just like sandpaper is used by a skilled carpenter to smooth things out to make it more uh, pleasing to look at and prettier and beautiful, so God uses the very people in our life to help us recognize that we still have some rough edges. I think of so many times now at this point in my life that I'm like the product, not the, the prodigal son's brother. 
not the prodigal son, but the prodigal son's brother that had all, had all these heart issues. And when did the heart issues come up? Well, it comes up right here in the church. It comes up in workplaces where things take place and you get a check in your heart that you know you shouldn't be feeling these emotions or feelings, but they're there. And there is a test that you're, you and I are going through during this time. And it's God wants to see what we're going to do with those ill feelings, with those emotional things that we're going through. And just like you did and I did when we came to the cross, we laid our sins at his feet. We were crucified with Christ so that it was no longer us living, but Christ living in us. And that all that we were doing then was as a result of what he already did. So when you get those feelings in your heart, those ill feelings, whether it be envy, jealousy, anger, whatever it can be, God is testing you and I to see what we're going to do with those feelings. And we have to do the very thing he taught us when we came to know him as Lord and Savior. And that's to put it at his feet. And allow him to fill us up with his Holy Spirit and to pray for those people who are in our lives that are Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper. Because when you start praying for those people that are Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper, you'll see God work on your heart and you'll eventually know who Mr. Sandpaper's first name is and Mrs. Sandpaper's first name. And you'll get to know them on a whole different level. And all those bumps and all that irregularity that was in the makeup of the personalities between you and them will be smoothed out and God will make it a beautiful thing. That really is a test of what the lordship of Christ means. If we're truly going to be Lord, I'm sorry, if we're truly making him Lord in the difficult situations, it's easy, right, to make him Lord in the good situations. It's always the test of who's Lord when there's adversity and trials and tribulations. So how far are you willing to go? We see Paul's life. He was willing to travel all over the place. God might want you and I to just travel in a pew in front of us or behind us or next to us. Verse 21, but as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Now, Paul was a pioneer. He knew there was so much to do, and he was willing to go and do it. He was a pioneer, and he quotes here from Isaiah 52, verse 15. Now, one of the things that we saw in the other verse, it said, just above it, it says, and I make it my aim to preach the gospel not where Christ was named. Now, there's nothing wrong. I think I was thinking when I was studying for this that this church has been here long before any of us, except maybe one or two of you that were here at this church when it was a Baptist church. But I'm sure there were godly men and women and teenagers that prayed that this church would be used 
throughout its history here on this earth for the glory of the Lord. And we'll meet those people one day in heaven. Most likely, we're not going to meet them on this earth, and a lot of them have already passed and gone to glory. But something was started here in Janesburg, and the Lord sent a whole new group of people to just continue what God had done through his Holy Spirit through some other people. But like Paul, there are people who go into the dense jungles and into the inner cities where maybe God has never been preached or talked about, and they share the gospel of God. Just like that miner. He knew somebody was sick, and he knew he had the cure. Verse 22, For this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. Now, we see here in these few verses that one of the reasons that Paul has not been able to get to Rome is because of his burden to go to where the gospel has not been preached. And remember, this letter that we're reading, this is before Paul went to Rome. Okay? Now, Paul had some ideas of his own, or he had some plans of his own. And we're going to see right now that not all our plans are always lined up with what the Lord's will in our life is. But I need to say something here again is remember when Paul was in prison. He's not in prison yet. But just remember when Paul was in prison, he learned to be content in all things, whether he was healthy or sick, whether he was free or in prison. Whatever was going on, he learned to be content. How are we doing with that one? How's our content meter reading? Well, take heart. Because Paul didn't just wake up one morning and was content. It came through the trials, tribulations, and blessings of life, just like you and I are going through. Okay, remember, we're still a work under Jesus' construction. He's still working on us. And we see here that he wanted to also... Uh, when he goes to Spain, he was going to come and visit them because, of course, Rome and Spain are closer together than uh, some of the places Paul was. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if at first I may enjoy your company for a while. I look out here and I think, boy, over the years, how much we've enjoyed each other's company together fellowshipping. Can you imagine if all we had was a computer in a room and never ventured out of it, never had interaction with each other, never could talk to one another, never could see each other's expressions? Don't be thinking, well, that might not be bad sometimes. Remember Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper. Okay? God wants us to fellowship together. It's so important for that, to understand that to be in his word, to fellowship with one another, to break bread. 
to become intimately involved with Jesus Christ and grow closer together as a body. After all, we're going to be spending eternity together. Might as well get it right while we're on this earth. Verse 25. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. So we see here some of the other churches that were founded in different parts of the places Paul went. Some had some really good finances, and they were willing to uh, bless the poorer churches who were struggling, or the poorer home churches, or poorer individuals in the body of Christ who were struggling because of the blessing that God gave them materially. And Paul uh, goes on a little bit more here. It says in verse 27, It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Now, one of the things that I was just thinking in, in studying this is we, we have been a very blessed church, whether you've been with us for just a short amount of time or for the past 10 years or five years, whatever. We've been a very blessed church. God has um, materially taken care of us, the whole existence of this church from the time it was in South Brunswick, up and through the time it's right here. And one of the things of a healthy church is how is the church doing outside these walls? How are we blessing others outside these walls? And I just went to the uh, bulletin board today and uh, a friend, Eric Caesar, and his wife, Sheila, who are over in Africa, and, and they've been here. You've seen them, the missionaries that have come here, and they, and they share the things that God's doing. Pastor Joe has often said many times, you know, we're a giving church. We have, uh, I don't even know, Christine's probably 10 or more missions that we, yeah, it's over 10 or more missionaries that we support. And we may never know, besides what they share with us here, we won't see the faces of the people that come to know the Lord through our support of these missionaries, but we will see them in heaven. That'll be one of the joys in heaven, is seeing all the things that God has done that we didn't even know through you, through the church, while we were here. We saw a couple months ago, uh, Pastor Denny was here, okay, right off the coast of Saudi Arabia, right in the volatile zone. And there's other, of course, missionaries that we support. But it's so cool to know how healthy this church is, and it's not because anything we've done. It's because of the anointing God has poured on this church and the people in the church. And it's being evidenced throughout the world, not only here in Jamesburg. And that's, that's a great thing. So here's Paul urging the Gentiles who have been blessed by the Jewish people. Remember, the Jewish people are the ones that preserved the Old Testament. 
They're the ones who wrote it word for word. Kept it as it is, and we still have it today. So Paul is saying, just as they blessed you spiritually, let's bless them materially if we can. So this is what Paul is alluding to here. Verse 28, Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. I want to take a look at the word blessing. It's derived from the Anglo-Saxon word bletsian, B-L-E-T-S-I-A-N, bletsian, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. And also it comes from the word bledsian, B-L-E-D-S-I-A-N, and then bloodsian, B-L-O-E-D-S-I-A-N. Now the original meaning of those words I just spelt for you is to consecrate with blood. And here we see Paul in verse 29, but I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Paul understood to the core the word blessing, that it came from a consecration of blood from the body of God himself. And as we know, Jesus was wounded for your transgressions and my transgressions. And his bless blessings have been coming ever since. The blessings of God are available to you through his grace every day. Every day we can just think about the Lord, that's a blessing. Every day we can read his word, that's a blessing. Every day we can give a cup of water to someone who's thirsty, that's a blessing. To know that one day we'll be in heaven, that's a blessing. Even with Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper, that's a blessing. Verse 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. If you can flip over... Well, let me just read, hold on one second. Let me finish the next uh, verse. Verse 31. That I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Okay, if you can flip to Acts 21. Okay, Acts 21, verses 27 and 28. Acts 21, 27 and 28. One of the things Paul is doing here before we read is everything is not paradise for Paul. Just like everything is not paradise for you and I. The things that we're going through, the things that we've come through, but understand that right now we're in a position where God, through his Holy Spirit, is speaking to us through his word. So one of the things Paul is leading here to is he's asking for prayer from the believers. And all of us need prayer. I know that 
your prayers for Pastor Joe, Pastor Paul, and myself are humongous for our families. It's humongous what you're doing. Don't ever take it for granted a prayer for any of the pastors here. We need more prayer. But so do the people right here in the pews. Okay, we all need prayer for one another. Ask God, put on my heart, Lord, who you want me to pray for. And put it down. Just write it down in your Bible and pray for that person or people. But don't forget the pastors. Make sure they're in that list too. Okay, chapter 22, or I'm sorry, chapter 21, verses 27 and 28. Now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, this is referring to Paul, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, against the law, and against this place. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple, that would be the Gentiles, and has defiled this holy place. Now, Flip over to chapter 22 of Acts and verse 22. Acts 22, 22. And they listened to him until this word, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. So this was Paul telling people to pray for him because of some of the stuff that he's gone through, and he knew, because he's been warned, about what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. Now remember, Paul said, when I go to Spain, I'm going to stop over and I'm going to spend some time with you people in Rome. But Paul's ways, like your ways and my ways, aren't always God's ways. God had different plans. When Paul, who was told to leave Jerusalem quickly, didn't leave quickly, he was arrested. And he got a free boat ride to Rome in chains. And he was a prisoner in Rome. But God had different plans. Have your plans and my plans ever been changed? Different from what we would like to have had happen. And we don't understand why that happened. We took a different road of travel when we liked the road we were on real nice. It was sunny and the birds were singing, the butterflies were flying around. I want to stay on this road. Well, Paul thought he was on that kind of road. But God had a better plan. He had chains for Paul. In a prison in Rome. And eventually it became a house prison where people could visit him. But God's plans were, see, he loved the Roman government, the people in the Roman government. He loved the people in the Roman government. He loved the Roman soldiers. So what did he do? Paul becomes a prisoner 
of the Roman army. Who was really prisoner, though? The Roman soldier chained to Paul, who was here in the gospel? Or Paul? Was he really in chains? He wasn't in spiritual chains because so many of the Roman army became believers and they brought Christ back into their home and their community and their neighborhood. So what may be Satan meant for evil, God turned into good in the life of Paul. But remember, a lot of his epistles were written in prison. So God had a different plan. Take heart, everybody, that you might have a plan or an agenda, but God, who is Lord of your life, is going to do the best thing in and through you that's for your good, even though at times we don't understand it. Where it talks about in verse 31, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, there were a lot of the Jews that never received Christ as their Savior. So they were still under the law. And they couldn't handle what Paul was talking about grace. And they definitely couldn't handle when the Greeks, the Gentiles, came into the synagogue. Because remember, they looked at them as dogs. Yet, in Christ, we're all new creatures. The Jew, the Greek doesn't matter. We're all one in Christ. And as we close here, verse 32, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God. Well, initially he didn't come with joy, but he definitely did come by the will of God. And then he learned part of that contentment because he started seeing that he had a captive audience chained to him that he could preach to. And they had to listen to him, and then every several hours, be new guards guarding him. Then he would preach to them. Then there'd be new guards guarding him, and he would preach to them. What a great ministry he had. A definite prison ministry. And then it says, and may I be refreshed together with you. And boy, what a joy it was when people came to Paul's house of arrest where they could visit him and he saw the joy in their face and they hung out and they could have a Bible study right in that house prison and then leave there saying, well here's Paul doing, being a minister in a prison and I'm a free man going back home, what can I be doing for the Lord? Just as the Lord's asking you and me the same thing, what can we do moving from here on out for the Lord. And then finally, we have a refreshment with each other. Hopefully, we're being refreshed every time we sit to hear God's word or do things together. There's a refreshment. There's a building up. Verse 33, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Now remember, unless you have peace with God by accepting him as your Lord and Savior, you can't have the peace of God that comes as a result of his lordship in your life. Amen? 
And that amen is something to say, definitely, that's what I believe. That's, that's where it's at. Now, verse 15 really closes the letter of Romans, even though there is chapter 16. We're going to see some personal people, some individual people next week when we look at the last chapter of Romans. And it's going to be pretty neat. Some of the people in there are going to be very similar to you and to me. Only their names will be different to protect the innocent or the guilty. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you. Let me tell